You're listening to a podcast from Hicksville Cornerstone Church. For more information about the church, visit us at hickscc.org. That's H-I-X-C-C.org. Thanks for listening. Once again, this time I think the young ones will be dismissed, right, for junior church. So we'll do that at this time. Well, a happy and blessed uh, New Year to all of you this morning. Pastor A.J. knew he was going to be gone this past week, and so he asked if I'd uh, fill pulpit for him this morning. Uh, He'll be back uh, sharing with us next week. But um, we're going to look at something um, that is of great eternal importance this morning. Uh, Literally, there is nothing more important than uh, this passage we're looking at and understanding it and applying it and making sure that we know what it means in our lives. So we're going to look at uh, John chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, if you'd like to turn there. John chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. By the way, Larry, it's great to see you uh, feeling well again. Praise the Lord. One who battled through COVID and doing great now, right? So, all right, praise the Lord. We all have friends. We all have relatives that are going through stuff. That's for sure. We need to pray, them and pray for them and encourage them. John chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, you should have a uh, fairly extensive outline in your bulletin this morning too. I encourage you to follow along and fill that in as we go. But if you'd like to uh, honor God as we read his word, if you'd stand once again this morning. John 3, verse 1 through 7. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs that you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, interesting answer to that, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Hmm. Verse 4, how can a man be born again? Be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. I thank you, Lord, for your grace. I thank you for your word. I thank you for our salvation through Jesus. Lord, I thank you for each one that's here this morning that braved the, the ice and the cold and the snow. Thank you for those listening at home and wherever they may be uh, listening this morning. I pray that you would just touch hearts with your Holy Spirit, that we might uh, never be the same as we spend this time in your word. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A number of years ago, uh, I was out on the lake, up at Clear Lake, uh, late into the morning. We didn't know how late it was. We were out there spearfishing, having a good time. I had some young high school guys with me and just having a great time. And uh, we realized it was getting late, though. The moon was coming up, and now the moon was traveling across the sky. And I'm thinking, you know what? It's got to be getting pretty late. I wonder how late it is. None of us had watches, and it was before cell phones. So uh, we went back in, and 
I turned on the radio in my car and the first thing I heard was, the world at four. And I'm like, oh no, the world at four o'clock in the morning. And I'm thinking, well, these parents are probably at home going, well, probably never see Pastor Jack and the boys ever again. They probably drowned or something. But there we were out on the lake. And how late was it? Well, it was a lot later than what we thought. It was a lot later than what we thought. Well, let me ask you this morning, what time is it? What time is it in our world today? Perhaps it is a whole lot later than what we think. Right now, Israeli pilots are flying surveillance missions over Syria, uh, Syria, and they are uh, checking things out. They are preparing for war even as we speak. Iran is promising, not threatening, but promising to destroy Israel. That's their number one goal, so they're promising to do that. Russia, as you know, is lining up at the Ukrainian border. I've been to Russia, I've been to Ukraine, and I know how nice it is in Ukraine, and I know why Russia would like to have what Ukraine has. Uh, but they are th planning perhaps to take that by force. China, as you know, recently took Hong Kong, and uh, now they're looking at uh, Taiwan and other places. And North Korea, once again, is rattling their sabers and making all kinds of threats as well. So the world is filled with deceit right now and violence. We are seeing the coming of wars and the rumors of wars as mentioned in Matthew chapter 24. So what time is it? What time is it? Perhaps it's later than we think. Back in 1871, October 10th of that year, the great evangelist D.L. Moody was preaching and he encouraged the people that were there at his evangelistic meeting to go home and think about what they had heard. Go home and think about it, and you come back tomorrow night, and we'll talk about the need to accept Christ as your Savior. Well, that night began the great Chicago fire. And a lot of those folks, um, well, none of them were able to come back the next night because the fire had broken out. A lot of the city was being destroyed. And Moody said, as he looked back at that, he said, I'll never do that again. He said, I'll never tell people, come back tomorrow night, because we don't know what tomorrow holds. Amen? We don't know what a day holds. And he was sobered by that. Well, this morning's sermon would probably be the one sermon I would preach if I knew it was my last one. Or if I knew that this was the last time I'd spend with you guys, it would probably be the sermon that I would preach. It is that important. There is nothing more important than what we're going to look at this morning in John chapter 3. Look at it with me again, if you would. John chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. It says once again, Now there was a man of the Pharisees, a religious leader named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to J Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with them. Nicodemus came at night to see Jesus because if fellow Pharisees, fellow religious leaders had seen him, they did not like Jesus, they did not believe in Jesus as Messiah, and they would have looked down on Nicodemus even going to spend time with Jesus. So he said, uh, Lord, we know that you're a, a spiritual man. We know that you've come from heaven, that God empowers you. And Jesus comes back with a very interesting statement. He says in reply, I tell you, in truth, no one can see the kingdom of God, Nicodemus, unless he is born again. 
Nicodemus asks a very logical question. How can a man be born again when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised, Nicodemus, at my saying, you must be born again. You must be born again. So I would ask the question this morning, are you born again? Are you born again? It can be translated one of two ways, either way, born again or born from above. Okay, Translate either way, same thing, but are you born again or are you born from above? Obviously, Jesus was speaking in the term of being born again to Nicodemus because that's why he asked about his mother's womb, obviously. But are you born again? Are you born from above? Jesus said, unless you are born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. You will never see heaven. You will never be a part of God's kingdom unless you are born again. It is critical and critically important to know that you have been born again. So this morning, three things we're going to look at briefly. First of all, what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean? Secondly, how can you know that you have been born again? And third, what do you need to do if you have an idea that maybe I'm not really born again? First of all, this morning, what does it mean to be born again or born from above? Again, John 3, verse 5 through 7, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. So what does it mean to be born again? It means this, just as you had a physical birth, and everybody here this morning looks like you all had a physical birth, okay? I think that's confirmed. Just as you had a physical birth, so you need to have, you must have, Jesus said, a spiritual birth. That's what he's saying. Just as you had a physical birth, you must have a spiritual birth. So, let me ask you this. Did Nicodemus know what it meant to be born again? Did he know what it meant? Had he ever heard of the phrase born again before? Apparently not. He apparently was not familiar with it because in verse 4, again, he said, How can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Can he, Jesus? I, I don't understand that. It was a legitimate question. But the concept, the reality, the necessity of having a personal spiritual transformation, don't miss this, was certainly in the Old Testament. If the phrase was not there, being born again... The concept of having a spiritual transformation in one's life was certainly there. It was very well known to the religious leaders of that day, like Nicodemus, and all those who were familiar with the Old Testament law and the prophets. I'll give you an example of that. Ezekiel 36, verse 25 through 27. 
God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. The washing of the water of the word, which is what is referred to as well in John chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. I will sprinkle clean water on you, the water of the word of God, my word, said the Lord, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you what? A new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. That's pretty clear, isn't it? God says, I'm going to transform you here specifically. He was talking about when the Israelites would return to the land from captivity and they would turn to him in faith. So he was speaking of the nation turning to him in faith, but also individuals turning to him in faith and having their hearts of stone, unregenerate hearts, be turned into hearts of flesh and of the spirit and of transformation. Nicodemus was well aware of the need of people to have that happen in their lives. Throughout the Old Testament, there was a call for uh, personal as well as national repentance. But apparently he had just never heard it put that way before. He'd never heard it said, you must be born again. So he didn't know what that meant. Jesus was saying, for anyone to have a part in the kingdom of heaven... They must be born again. For you to have a part in the kingdom of heaven, for you to go to heaven, for me to go to heaven, we must be born again. We must be born again. So what does it mean to be born again? Jesus talked about that clearly in verse 3, verse 5 through 7, very, very clear. says it repeatedly. So what does it mean to be born again? Okay, don't miss this. On God's part... I like the way John MacArthur put it. On God's part, it is a spiritual transformation produced by the Holy Spirit. It is an act of God whereby eternal life is given to a new believer. On God's part, it is a spiritual transformation that only God can do. That only God can do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you come to Christ in faith and repentance, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You're a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. Then on our part, what do we do? We repent, and that word means we have a change of mind. We, change, we have a change of mind. We repent. We have a change of mind regarding our need for salvation, our ability to save ourselves. We believe that Jesus alone can save us. And we say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose for me. I believe that only you can save me. And I trust you alone to save me. So we repent. We believe. And we humble our hearts. And we trust and receive Christ alone. We trust and receive Christ alone, now and forever. If you truly do that, then you are saved. You are born again. You are born from above. Now, God is the initiator of all this. He's the one that draws us to himself. 
Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So he's the one who initiates it. He initiated by sending Jesus to the cross, providing our salvation. And in receiving Christ, you are born again. In receiving Christ, you are born again. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. It says, as for you, before you came to Christ, understand this, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, Satan himself, the spirit, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us, we were all in the same boat. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Do you see the difference? You see the dramatic difference? We were dead. We weren't just sick with sin. We were dead in our sins. But God raised us up and lifted us up to be with him and gave us new hearts. It all is by his grace, the grace of God. That's what it means to be born again. When you come to Christ, everything changes within. You're transformed. That's what happens when you're born again. So I would ask you again this morning, are you born again? Are you born again? Have you been born from above? Second question then, how can you know that you have been born again. How can you really know that for sure? Say, well, I'm not sure. It is about a true change of mind, which is repentance, change of our need for Christ and accepting him. It's a true change of mind that produces a true change of heart. You know that you, yeah, we're not perfect. We still sin. We still blow it. But we know that we've been changed. Lord, I know you've changed me. You've given me a new desire to do the right thing. You've given me a new hate for sin in my life. I don't want to be that person. God, you know I hate that, but I still do it sometimes. But Lord, we, we, we know that we've been changed, that our hearts have been changed. He's given us a new affection, a new direction in life. I remember a uh, lady who visited our church, uh, Bridgewater, years ago. And uh, at the end of the service, she, she came forward to the, on the, to the platform. And I uh, did not know her well. She was a mother of one of our uh, elders in the church. And uh, I went to talk to her after she had come forward. And I said, uh, Dolores, I said, um, you know, I, I assume you've come to rededicate your life this morning. You know, why did you come forward? And she said, no. She said, I've never accepted Christ. <laughs> she said, I've never done that. And I'm like, Really? Because I knew she was a member of another church, and she was you know, a Sunday school teacher and all this. And I said, seriously, you don't know Christ? She said, no, I'm, I'm sure I've never really given my life to Christ. I thought, that's amazing. Well, anyway, I, I watched her life over time. Uh, and uh, one of the things she said, well, I, you know, I know I want to be baptized now that I'm a believer. She said, uh, I, um, I, I've never wanted to be baptized anyway because I'm afraid of water. I almost drowned when I was a young girl. But she said, I know that that's what God wants me to do. So that's what I want to do. I want to be obedient to him. So I remember that day up in Lake Seneca, she came kind of trembling out there, walking through the water. And 
baptized her and she uh, took a stand for the Lord. And shortly thereafter, she got cancer. And she, she was such a lady of faith. She was trusting God and she was rejoicing. And right up until she died, just this amazing testimony. And uh, then they gave me her Bible to read it at her uh, service. And I looked through it, and it was just beat up. It was just worn out. In the short time she'd, she'd been alive uh, in Christ, it was just, you know, everything was underlined and, and uh, highlighted and circled. And it was like, oh, my goodness, she's just worn her Bible out. And I thought, well, that explains why she was such a godly woman and why she accepted the things of God the way that she did. But I watched her life, and it was just so obvious that her life had been changed. She was born from above. She was born from above. Some things change right away when we get saved. Some things change right away. And other things are more of a challenge. They're lifelong. Man, some of the things we battle for a lifetime. If you know what I'm talking about. It's like some things, yeah, we give up right away. And other things, it's like, Lord, I've been battling this thing for 50 years. I still have it. This is still hard for me. What's the deal? Well, you're not home yet. You're not home as long as you're here. You've still got an old sin nature battling your new nature, and you're fighting this fight. That's what's going on. But you're making progress, and I'm with you for the duration. He that began a good work will complete it. He'll be with us until the very end. Born from above. Some things change right away. Some things are lifelong. But we never stop. Don't miss this. We never stop changing. We never stop growing in Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, sums it up so well. It says, because by one sacrifice, he, Christ, has made perfect forever. You catch the past tense on that? He has made you, if you're saved this morning, if you're born again, he has made you perfect forever as far as your position in Christ. Those who are being made holy. So there's our position, but there's the a process right there. We're being made holy. That's an ongoing thing. The battle continues. So our position, praise God, is secure. Our process continues on and on. So let me ask you a question this morning. Does that little child who prays a sinner's prayer, a simple little sinner's prayer, does that little child really get saved? Does that little child really get born again? I would say certainly if they truly repent and admit their need for the Savior, and if they truly trust Christ as Savior in their simple little way, their trusting faith, yes, indeed, they can be assured that they are born again. One of our sons, when he was growing up, when he was still pretty little, he was being evangelized by his older brother on a regular basis. But uh, our, one son, our one son, we would ask him, we'd say, uh, so, uh, Joel, um, do you know Jesus as your Savior? And he'd go, nope. I said, okay. So have your sins been forgiven, Joel? Nope. Okay. Are you going to go to heaven when you die? Nope. <laughs> I'm not going to heaven. So one night, his brother had been evangelizing him again and uh, sharing the gospel. One was five, the other was like two, I think. And uh, Joel came in the bedroom and he said, um, yeah, you know what, I decided I want to accept, accept Jesus as my Savior. I really want to ask him to be my Savior. I said, are you sure? And he goes, yeah. I said, okay. So he prayed with my wife and I. And after that, I said, Joel, are your sins forgiven? Yep. Is Jesus your Savior? Yep. You're going to go to heaven when you die? Yep. He had that assurance. 
And, you know, he's on the mission field now, and he's had his ups and downs along the way. He still does. He's not perfect. His parents aren't perfect. You know, we still all blow it sometimes. But you know what? When we saw that change, it was not only a change in his assurance of salvation, but it was a, a desire. The desires changed even at a young age. You know, God makes changes that he promises that he will make. So let me ask you this morning. So how do you know that you've been born again? If you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven, then how can you be certain? John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Looks pretty sure, doesn't it? Looks pretty certain. He who believes, he who truly trusts me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Three irreversible things there. A person who truly hears and truly believes and truly trusts Christ has eternal life. Not that I will have it down the road. No, we have it now. He will not be condemned. He's crossed over from death to life. You see the certainty there? You see the certainty. You take God at his word. You personalize his word. Say, Lord... I want this for my life. I know you did it for the world. I want it for me. I thank you for your forgiveness for me, your grace for me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 again. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. All the old things have passed away. Everything becomes new. The new has come. When a person humbly comes to Christ, the Holy Spirit, don't miss this, when you come to Christ in faith at two years old or 82 years old, when you come to Christ in faith, the Holy Spirit comes and abides in you and lives with you forever. The Bible says that God gives us his Holy Spirit as a deposit. Don't miss this. Guaranteeing what is to come. There's a guarantee. Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. It's a guarantee. How can a life not be changed if God the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, right? I mean, how can, how can my life not change some? Quite a bit. If God comes and lives in me, can I remain the same as I was before? No, it's impossible. The Bible says, no, you will change. God will change you. All through your life, he will change you. Look at three things you have. Three things you have among others. First of all, you have a new comfort in Christ. A new comfort, a new peace that your sins have been forgiven a new peace it's like oh thank you jesus you go to bed at night and go if i die in my sleep it's okay i go home it's not a big deal you have a new comfort secondly in christ you have a new conviction this is so important a new conviction of sin a new realization of sin hebrews chapter 12 talks about that and says that every child that comes to christ believes in him god becomes his father you become his child he disciplines you just as you need it. And he is intent on bringing you to holiness in your life. That is God's whole goal for you. And he will not give up on you. You have a new comfort. You have a new conviction. And you have a new counselor. You have a new counselor. The Holy Spirit. Who produces point one and two. He gives you a new comfort. He gives you a new conviction. And now he also gives you a new direction in life. And I love this. He gives us a new understanding of the word. Before you come to Christ, you don't understand a lot of the things or most of the things you read in the Bible because the Bible says 
The Bible is a spiritual book and it is spiritually understood and only by those who have the Spirit of God. I've talked to people before and say, you know, I just I read the Bible, I just don't understand it. And then they come to Christ and they go, you know what, I never understood it before, but now I really enjoy reading it. I can hardly put it down. It's like, well, you have a new heart. There's a new, there's a new person there that God has made and God is making and renewing day by day. You have a new direction, a new understanding, a new dedication to the Lord new desires, and a new power. Acts 1.8 says that Jesus said, I will give you power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That word power is the word we get the, the word dynamite from, the very word from dynamite. We're going to have this power to live in ways we weren't able to live before, to live the Christian life to God's glory. And then it's real interesting in 1 John, he gives several evidences of the new birth. How do we know we have the new birth? John gives several evidences, very fascinating. He says, if you know that he, Christ, is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. We start doing the right things, not the wrong things. There's a change there. We start doing the right things, not the wrong things. We're not perfect. Again, we'll see the difference of, you know, that we're not looking for perfection. God knows we can't quite do that, but we're different. We're changed. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. In other words, we're not characterized by sin anymore. We battle sin. We just don't live in sin. We battle it. Because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning, again, without conviction, without God's uh, intervention, because he has been what? He has been born of God. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That's pretty clear, isn't it? If we're not a loving person, if God doesn't give us love and a, and a desire to see others come to Christ and all that, change has not been made. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's one of the things that happens too. You believe in Christ, you're born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. We go through life not defeated all the time, but victorious more and more because we have been filled with the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. We have the encouragement of the church for one another. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin, once again, to live in it. The one who is born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. Wow, that's good to know, isn't it? Praise God. Those are promises. Those are things that God tells us are of the redeemed. These are evidences for us to take stock in, to take personal inventory of our lives. Again, has God changed me? Is he continuing to change me? Reminds us of Paul in 2 Corinthians 13 when he says this. He says, examine yourselves. Examine your life. Examine your life. He says, Christ dwells within you unless you fail the test. Like these points of the test, you know, you, you ask God, show me, God, do I really belong to you? And if not, show me that so I can change my heart and give my life to you and be truly saved and truly born again. 1 Peter 1, 17 through 23. So since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially... Live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold 
that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from our forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but he was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead, and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been what? You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. You've been born again. You've been redeemed. You can be assured that if your heart has changed, you have that assurance, belong to God, indeed, you've been born again. Let me say this, if you have doubts about it, if you have uncertainties, what should you do? What should you do? I would encourage you to get it settled and get, get it known for sure that you have been born again. Some of us who were saved at a young age, I was, um, I had doubts along the way. And I wondered, did I really understand what I did? Did I really understand that? Because I was like nine years old and you know, I knew that my friends were going forward that Sunday, so okay, I'll go forward on that Sunday. And, you know, a week later, I got baptized and all this. And I thought, did I really understand? How much did I understand? I'm not really sure. I think I had that peace of God that my sins were forgiven. But was I just doing it because everybody else was? I wasn't sure. So what I did, and I, and I saw some things in my life along the way that I thought, there's some stuff there that's just not right. You know, either God's convicting me and, and wanting me to be, you know, pure as a believer. Or is he saying, you know, Jack, you really need to get things right is in the first place. Uh, I saw a lot of hypocrisy, I saw a lot of things in my life, and I said, just, just to be sure, Lord, I was alone with God one day, I said, just to be sure, you know, I believe that I trusted you long ago, but if I didn't really do that, and if I'd just been playing a game all along, I said, I really want to be saved, I really do believe, I really do trust you, I, I believe you died for me, I believe you rose for me, I want to know, I want to know, I want to get that settled. And so, I encourage you to do that if you're not truly sure three questions as we close to consider so are you sure you've been born again first john chapter 5 verse 13 i write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of god this was after that quiz in first john all those points so that you may what so that you may know that you have eternal life god wants you to know god doesn't want us to go through life going i think so i hope so I'm not sure. God wants us to know. So are you sure you've been born again? Second, how, how and approximately when were you born again? You know, sometimes we don't know the exact date, the exact time. Some people do. Uh, I'm not sure. I just know that I've come to that place by the grace of God, and you might say the same thing. But Romans chapter 10, when did we come to this place? That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When did we come to that point? Do we know that there was a time? Are we there now? We know that we ex have accepted him. We believe in him. We've trusted him. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, made righteous. And it's with your mouth that you confess that and are saved. Think of some folks in scripture. Zacchaeus went from a greedy tax collector to a disciple of Christ. Mary Magdalene went from a demon-possessed woman to a firm disciple in Jesus Christ. Nicodemus went from a seeker to a true follower of Jesus Christ. Saul of Tarsus went from a, 
a terrorist who killed Christians, loved to kill them, to a follower of Jesus Christ. Even the thief on the cross, if you remember him, as he, as he hung on the cross beside Jesus, and he had been mocking Jesus. Both guys on either side were mocking Jesus. And then finally the one guy wised up and he said, what are we doing? What are we doing? He's done nothing wrong. We deserve what we're getting. Jesus has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. We would say today, was that, that wasn't much of a sinner's prayer, was it? <laughs> no, but it was enough. It was, it was a statement of faith. It, it showed that he had repented. He changed his mind about what he needed to do. And he had put his faith in Jesus to the point he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know what Jesus said? He didn't say, yeah, right, you're going to do that at the last minute? I don't think so. No, he didn't say that. He said, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. Man didn't even have a chance to do any kind of works or anything to follow up that. He just put his simple, trusting faith in Jesus, and Jesus granted him eternal life. That man was born again at that point. How do you see the reality of Christ in your life? Very simply, if you're not sure, you can be sure once again. I would urge you, get alone with God. Contact Pastor AJ or you can get a hold of me, but or, or just get alone with God and cry out to God in faith and say, Lord, I admit that I need you. I admit that I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I believe you died for me. I believe you, rose, you were buried. You rose for me. And Lord, I trust you alone as my Savior today. I give you my life. I trust you alone. Lord, come into my life. Make me your child. You know what? He'll do it. He'll adopt you into his family. You'll be born again. You'll be born from above, and you'll belong to him for now and forevermore if you really mean business, if you're really honest with God. And if you're sure this morning that you have been born again, that you've given your life to, to Christ, from here on out, I encourage you to fill your heart and your mind with the Word of God and live out deeply the walk that God has given you. And by God's grace, live each day to the glory of God, to honor Him. Let's close with a word of prayer this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed. We covered a lot of ground this morning. It's a lot of Scripture. I just want you to think very simply then as we close, do you have assurance of your salvation this morning? Are you certain? Are you certain? Have you made that? Have you settled that? Just one more example. I went to see my, my great aunt. She was dying. She was in her 80s. She'd been a good member of a good church for many years. Also a Sunday school teacher, very active. And I just said, Aunt Data, I just got to ask you, do you know for sure when you die that you're going to go to heaven? And she said, no, I don't know that for sure. And I said, would you like to know that for sure? And she said, well, of course. So I just shared the simple gospel with her, what Jesus had done for her. And I said, would you like to accept Jesus? And she said, of course. So she gave her life to Christ, and within a week she had passed away. And I thought, well, praise God. Praise God. All glory to God. But you need to have assurance. You don't want to go through life ever just saying, I hope so, I think so, or I hope my works are good enough, because that's not what it's all about. It's have you come to have that saving relationship with Jesus Christ? 
Have you trusted him alone as your savior? And has he changed you? And is he continuing to change you as you go through life's journey to be obedient to God? Let's pray.